the best thing about living abroad and the hardest thing about living abroad were actually the same thing for me. And that was the travel itself. I loved the travel because it would bring a sense of adventure and fun and it was thrilling. But at the same time, it was exhausting. It was quite draining and would disrupt so many of my routines that were really important to me. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Aligned Performance Podcast, the podcast helping you to express your best in this world to create your most aligned life of purpose and potential. Through authentic and uplifting solo episodes and diverse guest conversations, we explore how you can discover and serve your soul's purpose, transform your mind, cultivate high-performing results, and successfully build your dream business of impact. All of this guiding you to fulfill your dream life and to serve your greatest impact on this world. My name is Trang, your host for the show, and today we are doing a Q&A episode. It's been quite a while since I've done one of these on the podcast, yet each month on Instagram, I do a Q&A session. And doing these sessions on Instagram stories is great because it's easily consumable and accessible, but the problem is they disappear after 24 hours. So this month, I wanted to do the Q&A session here on the podcast so that this is like infinitely going to be available to you to catch up on anytime you want. Um, But having said that, if you do enjoy these Q&A sessions, um, often I I get the most engagement from these sessions. Um, If you get a lot of value from this, then just know that you can head over to my Instagram and I do have a Q&A bubble there as well, a highlight bubble where you can catch up on some old, some of the older Q&A sessions that I've done. Um, and Q&A is great because I get to hear what your curiosities are and I get to really tailor the content to what it is that you need the most. And that brings about quite a diverse range of topics and talking about life and mindset as well as relationships and business and strategy and um, productivity and high performance habits, like so many different areas that I may not think to come up with myself, but because you asked, I get to share my perspective and we get to explore different topics. So let's get into it. I've got, I think, five questions for the podcast. I did some of the questions already yesterday on Instagram. Um, so yeah, let's let's get into it because we know what could happen. If I delay this anymore, we'll be here for an hour. <laughs> the first question is, what were the best things about living abroad in Bali and what were the hardest things? Firstly, there were so many things I loved about Bali. Um, the main thing that comes to my mind is that I was just in my element. Um, you know, being amongst a community of foreigners who were all entrepreneurs because you can't actually live there and be employed there. So you have to be making your own source of income. So most of the foreigners there are entrepreneurs and I was just in my element. But not only that, the community of locals, they're so joyous. They're so selfless. Um, They live very interconnected lives. They're very generous with their time and energy and they live as a community, which is a stark contrast to Western living where we live very individualistic lives. So that was beautiful to witness and um, eye-opening of 
how life can be lived very differently. Of course, the constant, consistent warmth and sun, uh, very, uh, very different to what I'm used to from Melbourne. Um, the landscapes, the diverse landscapes of volcanoes, waterfalls, beaches, mountains, forests, lakes, the liberating lifestyle that is not governed strictly, the quality of life, the community that I built, so the the individuals who I met and I became uh, close with, intimate with, uh, lived with, they really made Bali for me. And that's why I stayed there for the whole four months because originally I had set off like completely open to going anywhere and everywhere. And then I realized after getting a little bit homesick and sick of living out of suitcase that I didn't have to just always seek more and more because there's always going to be more places to see, more things to do, but that's a never ending cycle. So why not stay in the one place that I loved? So those were the best things. The hardest thing like isn't what you'd probably expect. Um, living in a foreign country, the hardest thing most people would expect is like the adaptation aspect, like settling in, uh, adapting to the culture, the lifestyle, the language. But Bali itself is quite westernized and I'd been there before, so there wasn't much adaptation. Um, in fact, I would say that the hardest thing about living abroad in Bali and the best thing about living abroad in Bali is actually the same thing. And that is the travel. Because traveling was fun. It was thrilling. It was adventurous. I loved I loved so much about it. Um, but at the same time, it is exhausting. It's quite draining and disruptive to many routines that are very important to me. So that was probably the hardest part <laughs> is actually... Uh, finding harmony between travel and doing new things and being on the road and maintaining uh, routine and stability. And it's funny because many of you may be listening to this and thinking, oh, like, but traveling is the dream. So many people would do anything to be able to experience that. Like, how can it also be the hardest thing? And, um, you know, you don't have any right to complain about that. And I'm sharing this not because I'm complaining or I'm not grateful for that experience. Like I said, I loved it. I'm going to do it again. Um, but that doesn't invalidate the parts of it that are challenging. Every experience, every reality has beautiful things about it and then also more unpleasant parts about it and just because many people would do anything to live that life doesn't mean that there are parts of it that also uh, bring out challenges and struggles and they're very real when they're being lived now the next question is what have been your top three learnings from this year what a fantastic question this really got me thinking now, for context, this year hasn't been a conventional year. It has been a challenging year, a lot of changes, such as separating from a decade-long relationship, uh, moving and living abroad for the first time in my life. So there has been a lot of change this year. And that naturally is going to be the theme of the top three learnings I've had this year. So the first one is that there is no right or wrong decision. 
There is no right or wrong decision. I say this because when we are at a crossroads, it can feel very overwhelming and anxiety inducing to have the pressure to make the right decision. Otherwise, we might regret it later on or we um, yeah, might find ourselves in a worse off position if we make the wrong decision. But the thing is, the crossroads isn't as straightforward as it appears. It's not just path A or path B. And once we choose one path, we are stuck on that path forever and we can't ever get off that path again. It's not like that. We're at a crossroads, but it's at a crossroads of not just two paths, but infinite paths. Because after the initial decision, it's not like our destiny is written in the stars. We still have power to make decision after decision after decision, take action after action after action along that path that gives us power to be creating however we want that path to turn out. So there are infinite paths of how life can look and can turn out after making that initial decision. So I really learned this because for the many months that I was torn what to do and what path to take in my relationship, and this goes for career change and starting a business as well Those all those years ago, um, I realized that there's no right or wrong decision. We get to make any decision the right decision. And no matter what we choose, we will be okay as long as we keep showing up as our highest self and keep making the decisions and keep taking actions that will carve out the life that we desire. Now, the second learning from this year is don't trade the past for the future. Don't trade your past for the future. And the reason that this was a a big learning for me is because of the sunken cost fallacy, which is essentially the psychological fear and the reluctance to change course due to all that we may have already invested in getting to that point. So whether it's uh, being in a relationship or being in a career and Uh, having the reluctance to change relationships or change careers, pivot, start a new business um, due to the feeling that it's too late and we don't want to waste everything that we've already put into getting to where we are now. But what I say is this, don't trade the past for the future because ultimately what's more of a waste? Wasting the last 10 years of your life, which by the way, side note, it's never a waste You know, because I've talked about this many times before, that every single um, chapter of our life brings about skills and knowledge and experiences that never go to waste. They will accumulate and they will always be able to be taken forward into the next chapter of our life. It all forms um, this rounded person that we become. Plus, if we lived it at the time and we enjoyed it at the time, then that is all that matters. That can't be wasted that can't be stripped away you know we enjoyed it and we lived it and we loved it at the time but let's stick with this mentality that it is a waste for another moment what's more of a waste wasting the last 10 years of our life or the next 10 20 30 40 years of our life because if we aren't changing course and in quotation marks wasting the last 10 years of our life then what are we going to do? We're going to stick out a certain path 
We're going to settle for a micro version of ourselves, settle for a lesser version of our life, just to honor something that has already happened in the past. Therefore, we're going to waste the next uh, 10, 20, 30 years of our life. So either way, we are wasting something, the past or the future. But how I see it is that the past is in the past. It's done. It technically doesn't exist anymore. But the future, that exists. You know, the future is still in our hands and we are still yet to live and experience it. So I don't know which one I would rather um, honor and which one I would rather do whatever I can to make it the best possible. So don't trade your past for the future. And I got, I had to think about this as well during my career change, as well as, you know, in the relationship. Like I said, I was in this relationship for uh, 10 years from when I was 20, uh, so from when I was 18 years old. And I've got to mention as well, like it was one of the best decades of my life. It was a beautiful relationship. We have so many incredible memories and that's why I would not regret it for a moment. Um, A lot of people may see a separation of a relationship as a failure, but how I see it is that it's not a failure. I got to live an incredible chapter of my life, got to share this life and this experience with someone for 10 years. It's just a successful completion of that relationship. And a successful completion of that chapter. Now, the final thing that I have learned this year is to say yes. <laughs> say yes more. Take more risks. Try new things. Uh, like explore a different part of you. Go on that adventure. Because more times than not, you will not regret it. <laughs> you will get so much from it. Whether it's like more opportunities, more growth, more experiences. And worst case, if it doesn't work out, you will have a, a new learning or a new experience or you will have developed because of that. Um, yeah, saying yes has given me so much. Uh, saying yes to living abroad, saying yes to new job opportunities, saying yes to walking through an open door. That has given me so much because I am an impulsive person. I do say yes a lot. And sometimes that doesn't work out, I've got to say, but more times than not, it does. And I attribute that massively to where I am today. The only caveat to this is when you know that there is a particular pursuit or you're focused towards very specific outcomes already, like you are clear that that is your focus, you are clear that that is your direction, then that is when you've got to also learn to say no to anything that will leak your focus or um, spread out your energy and distract you from this course. So there's a time for yes, there's a time for no. But I found for me, in the context of my life this year, yes, saying yes to things that were scary, things that are uncomfortable, things that I might not have been bothered to do, um, saying yes to things that I knew, have led to one of the best years of my life. So those are the top three learnings from this year. The quest, the next question, what do you say to family or a partner who doesn't agree with you 
uh, starting your own business? Mm. Good question. Really good question. And this is a common conversation that I have with clients. Because as much as we want to live our life and express our best and our fullest, we do live in an interconnected reality, especially with those who are closest to us. And our decisions will affect them. So this is difficult because firstly, everyone relates differently to those who are closest to them. You know, what is seen as acceptable or respectable in one scenario isn't respectable or acceptable in another. So I can only share my thoughts based on my experience, my beliefs and what I have done. Firstly, remember that whenever someone gives you advice, whenever someone gives you their opinion or whenever someone judges you for something, it is less about you than it is about them. Why? Think about it. If someone's giving you advice, then they are projecting their own memories, their own past experiences, their own thoughts, their own fears, their own limiting beliefs, their own insecurities onto you. Because they only know what they know and they don't know what they don't know. So they can only share with you based on their map of the world in their head, what they think is the best path forward. So essentially, they're just sharing with you their projected limiting beliefs, insecurities, and fears. But that is their narrative and their reality. It's not yours. In fact, it's kind of none of your business. (laughs) It's their shit that they are projecting onto you. And that's why there's the saying that advice, that advice that anyone gives is really just advice that they are giving to their younger self. They're not giving it to you. You are a different person with a different set of skills, knowledge, capacity, potential, um, work ethic, willingness to achieve something, commitment. And your reality is completely different to someone else's, even if they are someone who's close to you, like your partner or your parents. So for example, my parents came from Vietnam. You know, they're immigrants from Vietnam and they came from a background of poverty and instability. They, they came from war. And because of that, they and, and their generation as well, you know, living through like so many major worldwide like economic problems. And then their parents lived through like world war and um, lived through the Great Depression. So they come from a place of Uh, scarcity and fear so their value is just first and foremost to survive just just have stability don't take risks it's not worth it but the younger generation especially in this era where there's more opportunity and abundance more than ever it's a completely different reality so if we were to take on someone else's projected fears based on their experience then we're only going to be holding ourselves back Or maybe my auntie, who is constantly on YouTube all the time. She's watching the worst of the worst news, hearing about like the most horrific things that happen in the world. And that warps her perception of the world. So then she lives in a lot of fear and hearing that I'm going traveling, that I ride a motorbike. Like she's like, don't do that. Like, how could you do that? How could you uh, subject your family to worrying about you all the time doing these things? And I do get that 
you know, taking into consideration how our actions affect other people are very important. Um, it, it's something that we've got to navigate and we've got to constantly consider. But it's just the world isn't as bad as it she thinks in her head. Like she's got a very biased perception of the world. Um, so ultimately, it's going to only be one person who's going to wake up every day living your life, thinking and feeling every single thought and emotion that you're going to have. And that is you. There's only one person who's going to experience your life. So to me, you are the only one who gets the last say in how you live your life because you're the one who's going to live your life. Um, we have one life. <laughs> We have one shot at this. So to me, I can, like how I see it, it's just, it's just non-compromisable. <laughs> like there's no, there's nothing to argue about. We have one life. We are the one living our life. So we are the one who gets to dictate our life. Now, once again, everyone is in their own personal scenario. So you've got to navigate that. You've got to consider that. But for me, what I have found is even in the short term, if it if our decisions lead to short-term disappointment or like what appears to be disrespect to those around us. So for example, I've gone against what my parents have said so many times. Like literally there's a reason why my sister is the golden child and I am not. <laughs> um, but the amount of times that I have gone out there and done things that have freaked them out or gone against their advice, it may have led to short-term disappointment. But ultimately, in the long term, it's led to happiness. Why? Because in the end, when things have worked out for me, when I am happy, my parents have found that that is all they need for them to be happy. Parents just want to see their kids happy. (laughs) Parents just want to see their kids doing well, safe, secure and living their best life. And ultimately, when our parents see us doing that, then our parents will be happy for us too. That's been my experience with it Um, because, yeah, like another way to look at it is the, the quote by Carl Jung, the greatest burden a child can bear is that of its parents' unlived lives. The greatest burden a child can bear is that of its parents' unlived lives. So break that cycle. Don't just take on your parents' insecurities and traumas and, um, you know, view of the world. Don't, like, perpetuate that and then pass it on to your children. Live your life. Live your fullest life. And then you get to gift your child in the future with an even greater and higher level of understanding and life experience to pass on. That's another way that I usually look at it. Um, and then in terms of partner, like for personal experience, I can't speak too much of that. Um, my, my previous partner, James has always been incredibly supportive. Um, but I still share the same sentiment, you know, like our partner, yes, we share and merge our lives and there's a lot to consider and there's a lot to, uh, work through together, but ultimately we only have one life. And we've got to honor ourselves first and foremost. 
And it's up to you to find that line of what works for you and in your relationships. Okay, next question. <laughs> this one's funny. I just laughed because I just reread it again. Trang, how the fuck do you do so much all the time? <laughs> oh, okay, where do I start with this? I'm very intentional and I pre-plan my days to the T. There's a reason why this helps so much. There's a law called Parkinson's law where a task will expand to fill the time that we have to do it. So think about all the times that you have had a uni assignment or work project deadline. And if you had two months to do it, you would take two months to do it. But if you only had two weeks to do it, then you would like show the fuck up and you'd probably be able to do it in two weeks. And it's not because the project or the assignment was any different. It was just your perception of how efficient you needed to be or how not efficient you needed to be to do it in a shorter amount of time or not. And that is why there is a saying, if you want something done, give it to a busy person because they're going to do it in a shorter amount of time than even more than someone who's got more time. So with that being said, using this phenomenon, understanding how we operate as humans, I plan my days, my weeks, my hours, my minutes always in advance. I don't leave anything up to chance because if I do, then hello procrastination and just like fluffing around. And how I do this, I'll put this in the podcast um, show notes. I've got a free three-step guide to my weekly creation method um, where every week I sit down for one hour on the weekends and I do a big reflection process. What went well last week? What is an opportunity to optimize last week? Um, And then what are my outcomes this week? What do I need to do this week? And not just coming up with big checklists because that still leaves things up to chance. Like if you have a massive checklist of 30 things that you need to do today, like there's still so much decision making to do to be like, all right, what am I going to do first? Which order or at what time am I going to do each of these tasks? I, I have the list of what I need to do and then I go ahead and actually schedule in every single task that I need to do in my calendar before the week has even started. So I know by Sunday night at Wednesday, on Wednesday at 4 p.m. what am I gonna, um, what I'm gonna be doing on Thursday at 2:30 uh, p.m. what I'm gonna be doing, and this allows me to maximize time because you you may have heard it's not about time management. We can't actually manage time in that it's an objective um, entity. We can only manage ourselves and manage the our own tasks. So like being as productive as possible, getting as much done in as little time. And then therefore I can uh, get more done or I have more free time at the end of the day or at the end of the week. Um, So that's the time boxing strategy that has seriously revolutionized my life from the first moment that I started doing it when my business mentor taught me it because I thought I was so busy at the time. I was like, oh my God, I cannot do any more. Like I was like playing victim. And then he was like, all right, then well, show me your calendar. And then I showed him my calendar and he was like, hmm, what about here? 
What about there? What about this time slot? And I was just like, oh my gosh, I actually have so much time, but I'm just wasting it. So I will put the link in the podcast show notes on how you can specifically do the weekly creation method and time box. Um, that's that's all free. So then you can just download that um, in your own time. And the final thing that I want to mention real quick here is daily optimization of my energy and state. That is what helps me get going and really, uh, yeah, optimize my energy, optimize my mood, optimize my productivity. Because I'm sure we've all had days where we've slept in, we've stayed in bed after waking up for an extra half an hour scrolling on our phone, we've then rolled out of bed. And then when we start our day with that sluggish energy, it just persists for the rest of the day. Like it's really hard to just switch that around to become like this go-getter, high energy, productive person if you start your day like that. But how I start my days is I make sure I get up with the alarm. I've trained myself to do that. I had to back when I was doing personal training and I'd have 6 a.m. starts um, for my first client of the day. And then within 15 minutes, I am doing an exercise session, whether it's Pilates or running or gym. And like when you're getting your heart rate up and you're literally pumping oxygen through your body and you're sweating, you can't be low energy anymore. Like you're, you're damn awake at this point. And then once I come back, I have a cold shower um, and then I do uh, over breakfast, some meditation and journaling. And then that just optimizes my physical, mental, emotional, spiritual state that the rest of the day stays at that high level. It stays at that high vibrational frequency of I just feel so good. I feel empowered. Like I'm sure you felt the same after an exercise session. And if you know that that is what gets you in a really good place, then why not strategically time those practices so that you can get a lot done at the start of each day and then for the rest of the day and then for the rest of the week. So that's how I like to structure my uh life and my routines. And that's why I said when I was traveling, I really struggled because I love routine. Um, it makes me feel really good about myself. Uh, it is a non-negotiable. So yeah, but then by the end, I've got to say, I did manage to like figure it out how to combine routines with travel. Um, but it took a bit of time. I'd say it took the first two months. (laughs) Um, so yeah, Now, the final question is, what are your top personal development and business book recommendations? Okay, this is a quick one. I've read a number of books and it's hard to say like what the top ones are because I've been able to get so many different things from different books. But some that really stand out to me, starting with personal development, is number one, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor E. Frankl. It's, it's a well-known personal development or life reflection book talking about purpose and talking about um, doing hard things. Uh, Victor E. Frankl was a Holocaust survivor. So he shares about his experiences being in the concentration camps and what he learned from, that, from his time there. Uh, another one is Will by Will Smith. Now, I know that Will Smith has been a bit controversial over the last year or so, um, but his book is fantastic. 
like I found it hard to put the book down. It was extremely inspiring because it's no coincidence how he's gotten to where he is today. He's put in the work. He's overcome adversities and he's a great storyteller and damn funny as well. And the last one is The Everyday Hero Manifesto by Robin Sharma. Robin Sharma, first of all, I love that man, would recommend all of his other books. Um, he was a lawyer turned thought leader, you know, speaker, author um, in the world of, in the realm of, you know, personal development, personal mastery. And The Everyday Hero Manifesto is his latest book. And he writes it as though it is his last book that he's going to gift humanity. And each chapter is a standalone chapter talking about a different experience in his life or a different learning or a different perspective that he has learned throughout his life. And it's just such a comprehensive um, book that covers so many different areas of life that are very insightful and practical as well. Uh, And then talking about business books, Two of my favorite business authors are Dan Priestley, who has written various different business books. I loved The Entrepreneurial Revolution and Oversubscribed by Dan Priestley. And then there's, of course, (laughs) Alex Hormozzi, who's got $100 million offers and $100 million leads. Um, And both of those authors talk about entrepreneurship themselves, as well as, you know, branding, marketing, sales, and like very practical uh, strategies that can be applied to your business tomorrow if you wanted to. And then I want to share one more as well, because this is one that I don't know it may or may not be relevant to you, but a lot of people have mentioned how over the last year, since I have dedicated my skill development to public speaking and communication, um, how yeah like my speaking has improved a lot so a book that I read to help with my speaking is set your voice free by Roger Love and this book was first recommended to me by Vin Zhang the man Vin Zhang uh, and I read that book I did the singing drills the uh, speaking drills and exercises and that helped me a lot to develop my voice as an instrument that I get to use every single day to inspire and influence you. So those are all the questions that I was going to go through in today's episode. I hope that you enjoyed this. Um, yeah, I really enjoy doing these Q and A uh, sessions because, well, firstly, I don't have to actually plan what I'm going to record the podcast topic on. I'll just answer your questions. So that makes my job easier as well as I love the diversity of the questions and how I get to draw on different experiences and different perspectives that I have. So if you enjoy these episodes, then please let me know. And then I will do more Q&A podcast episodes in the future. And then if you have any questions that you want to submit, then please just send me a message. You don't have to wait till a Q&A time. Just submit it and then I will put it on the list and then I will answer it in the next session. So thank you for listening through to the end of another episode. If you're still here, then you have done really well. <laughs> I appreciate you. Um, if you have a moment, what I would really appreciate you doing is putting a um, review and a rating on whatever 
podcast platform that you listen to this to. Um, It really helps so much for the podcast to get out there, to reach more heartbeats. And then the more people listen to this podcast, the more people can thrive in their life. And then when enough people thrive, I believe humanity will thrive. And then when humanity thrives, then the world can thrive for all of us and future generations. Um, As well as the more that this podcast gets out there, the better guests that I can get onto the show too for you to um, keep listening and and get more value from. So please, I'd love it if you took a moment, leave a review or a rating and I will just love on you forever. (laughs) All right, that's it from me for now and I'll catch you in the next episode.